0: Dismissed to Children's Church. So if you're new, you can follow the follow the crowd. You guys are free to head on to class. Wait, wait, where do we go now? <laughs> Learning about football, it looks like, this morning. So if you have a Bible with you, this is the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 5 is going to be uh, our first scripture, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. And then just a little bit further on, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 6. So, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, and John chapter 6, verse 35. Should I say that one more time just so we don't get our wires crossed? Matthew chapter 5, and verse 6, and John chapter 6. Verse 35, it'll be on the screen in case we're still not quite connecting the dots, but this is the word of the Lord for us this morning as we join together. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus' amazing words, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. In John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I have some competition today. (laughs) That's okay. He's cute, cuter than the pastor, I have no doubt. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this precious day. We thank you for uh, allowing us, Lord, to be sensitive to the leading of your Spirit, Thank you, Lord, for being real with us and, and being there for us and in us. And so, Lord, we just pray as we take a few moments together to share about this idea of being hungry and being happy and being filled. I just pray, Lord, again, just meet us right where we are. Um, we don't want to be someone we're not. We don't want to pretend to be someone that we haven't become. Uh, we just, Lord, want to see you. We ask, Lord, that you'd help us to see ourselves in the light of who you are, and that as we think of these words together, this invitation that we all can hear and welcome and follow after, that you would just touch our hearts, and we'll praise you for that in your wonderful name. Amen. If you hadn't heard this week, uh, we were I was in a nasty little fender bender, I think it was Tuesday morning. And uh, I walked away without a scratch. My car was drug away, pretty well destroyed. And so that meant that yesterday I had the extreme joy and pleasure of spending half a day in a car dealership. You know me well enough to know I really don't mean I enjoyed it. I survived it by the grace of the Lord. Mike was our car salesman. He was great. Um, really appreciated his care to our attention, and while we were talking during those hours, he shared about his fourteen year old son and he shared about his mom and his son and his school and and his son is six foot two at fourteen years old and wears a size fourteen shoe and he wants to play basketball for the Oregon ducks and I thought there's a good kid right there. <laughs> But as he shared about his son, he shared that this kid eats him out of house at home. He can barely get home with the groceries, and they're half gone before he can even put them all away. Jokingly, he said he eats so much that if the food is gone, he eats the box that the food came in. And as I listened to Mike share about his son, and I thought about my own kids and how much they eat, I thought, yeah, we're all born hungry. What about spiritually? Are we all born hungry for God? It's a great question. The Bible says that if we don't call it, the rocks will cry out. It's been designed since creation for all to know the goodness and the glories of God. God's creation speaks for itself and he speaks to his creation to us. And I think in our own way, in our own times, in our own life, We all know that we're hungry for more. Hungry for more than we've had. Hungry for more than we've been asking for. Maybe even hungry than more than we've ever dreamed of hungering for. Or it may be that we have no interest at this time. We all go through seasons of life We all go through points and places in time where we're more open and aware to the things of God. Our senses are more attuned to the needs that we have than others. And there are other times where we want nothing to do with the things that could give us the most blessing. If you know me well, there's nothing I enjoy more than a good meal. Breakfast—it's hash browns, eggs, toast, bacon, throw on some pancakes, and good maple syrup—and and I will leave that restaurant a happy man. Or if it's dinner, you give me a sirloin steak and mashed potatoes, and man, I am on the moon. But we turn to Jesus in Matthew chapter five and. And as God often does, He says things in a way that we're not used to hearing them. This was a sermon that would forever change man's ability to relate to God and man's capacity to understand the things of God. It was a sermon that Jesus preached that would forever change the way we hear and understand the gospel. And so Jesus says this sentence, He says, Happy are the ones who are hungry? I'm trying to think of a time in my life when I was hungry and and I was happy about it. Normally, the hungrier I get, the crankier I am. So if you see me during the week and I just seem out of funk, buy me a burger or tell me to go get a burger or something, and I'll probably feel better. In the United States, one in five children is is malnourished. You go to other nations in the, in the world, and the malnourishment rate and the hunger rate and, and the number of kids that are dying from starvation climb, and they raise, and they're higher as you go further away from the prosperity of the cities. Hunger is an incredible problem in our world, and Jesus throws us a curveball like none other by saying, happy are the ones who are hungry. Righteousness, because they're going to be filled. Why does God always do this? Why, time and time again in the Bible, do I open the words of Scripture and God says something to me in a way I don't like, in a way that's hard for me to understand, in a way that just kind of hits me to between the eyes and think oh, I need to think differently about life, about my relationship with Him, about the way I, I look at so many places. That I in the way that I live? Why does God say something so contrary to the way we usually think? And I wrote, as my answer to my own question, probably because the way we think is messed up. (laughs) Just say it the way it is. So many times our perspective is in our own little world, our own little paradigm of the way we think things should be and the way we want God to be for us Maybe the way we don't want God to be for us. We're strange creatures. Just gather around the family on a Friday night when they're trying to decide where to go for dinner. This is how it usually goes at our house. My wife, because she's kind and gracious, to go, so, Peter, where would you like to have dinner tonight? Really kind, sweet giving me all the responsibility and pressure. <laughs> and I normally, I don't care. I really, because I know where this is going, like you know where this is going. It's like, why don't we ask the kids? Let's make sure that the kids can be content and happy. Let's ask them. And so to the oldest, and the oldest says, I don't care, whatever, or I'm not hungry, kind of something like that. So we're over 2 so far. Then we go to the middle child, and and if you had a middle child or you were the middle child, you know the middle child is the peacemaker. They want to do what everyone else will make, will make everyone else happy. And so they don't care where they go. All the while, everyone's hungry, but no one cares. Kind of messed up in the way that we think. So we go to the youngest. Uh, And you never know what the youngest is going to say. Uh, except for the fact that he's going to want to go where no one else really wants to go. We don't care. We just don't want to go there. (laughs) And so a half hour later into this discussion about where we're going to eat, no one knows where we're going to go. We're nowhere near closer to where we need to go for dinner. And normally, usually goes either one of two ways. One is daddy runs to five different places for dinner or everyone goes to one place together or somewhere in between. But sometimes being hungry is a big inconvenience. And we don't handle it the way that we could. So, as I shared already, Jesus sees life. Jesus is talking about a different paradigm. He's not talking about our physical hunger. Oh, there's so many relations to the way we feel it and relate to it. He's talking about this gnawing down in our heart. That no restaurant, no steak, no the best stack of pancakes in the whole world will do nothing if there's a gnawing in my heart for something more than I have. There's an awareness that I need God in a way that I don't yet have Him, or that He's calling me to a deeper place than I currently know. Jesus knows the way we normally try to answer that call. Normally when we're unsatisfied, when there's a place in our heart that isn't happy, then then we go to the mall. Or we go to the job postings on the internet and we try to find something that will make us happier. We look for the greener pastures, the greener grass on the other side of wherever we are. We go all kinds of places to meet that nine that's on the inside. And Jesus says, you know what? When you realize that for what it is, count it all joy. You're about to be blessed if you follow that call. Now I know that's true when when it's 12 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon and it's time for lunch and I go to Jack in the Box for the three tacos and a drink for $3. I know that Generally speaking, I'm going to leave happy and full. But Jesus is trying to teach us that spiritually speaking, we can cultivate a spiritual hunger in our life that will be a continually satisfying experience, relationship, process, journey, time with Him. And so we're just going to take a few moments this morning to talk about how we can Think about this idea of being spiritually hungry in your life. And the first thing we want to talk about this morning is that we, we need to check our appetite. Probably a really good place to start. Are you hungry for the Lord? Is there a place down deep in the, in the core of who you are that longs for Him, that desires to know Him and to talk with Him, and to walk with him. Jesus said the happiest people you'll meet are the ones that have a hunger and desire for God. What about our motivations? You know, i you get a hankering for a killer burger and you live on this side of town, it takes 20 minutes to go get one. 20 minutes in line maybe or 15 and 20 minutes to come home and it takes an hour just to meet a physical need of your appetite. What are the lengths that we go through in our personal life to know God? To cry out to Him, to call to Him, to hear His voice. JC was checking with me on Facebook last night. He'd heard I'd been in the wreck and asking how I was doing. And I feel 98, 99%. I really do feel great. And, uh, and he said, you're going to church tomorrow. I'm Like, I'm the pastor and I'm not dead. I'll be there. I teased him. I was like, but I don't get to make all the excuses that a lot of other people do for why they don't come to church. This is where I come to be fed. This is where I come to be loved. Thank you this morning for your love for us, but I come to be loved by him. I come to hear his word and to sing his praises and to worship and to share and to love and to cry and to journey together. And I'll go to the ends of the earth to do that. Let me ask you this question is the assumption that you have a personal time with God every day, which statistics show half of us do or so, and it's usually less than five minutes. I've talked with you, and I'm thrilled to say that our church is the exception. (laughs) Grateful to know. But I just want to ask you, in light of what Jesus said, that true happiness comes from a hungering for God, is that time? Wherever it is in your day, the joy of your life, the thrilling moments of your time as a living human being in this day or tomorrow. I'm not always, I'm not trying to tell you that it's always going to be, you feel like dancing. There's going to be times where it feels like God is silent. There's going to be times where you're hungering to hear more from God and He just wants you to be still and know that He's real. But I couldn't help but read this comment by Jesus and to to hear Him offering this amazing invitation that how long have we looked and tried to find what our soul requires and desires anywhere and everywhere else but in Him? How many times have I, even as a pastor, gone to meetings, gone to get kids, gone to the grocery store, gone to get the tires changed? And and I get to 9 o'clock at night and I just wonder where the day has gone and I'm exhausted. And that voice inside says, Hey, remember me? (laughs) Remember me? I'm still here waiting. So it's probably a great way to start the conversation about spiritual hunger is checking our appetite. Are we hungry? Are we hungry? And it doesn't mean that you look to across the church to someone that you look up to and say, Oh man, they are hungry for God. And man, I just, you know, minds like this. The Bible says you have faith the size of a seed of a mustard seed, and God's going to do great things. Is there a spiritual hunger in your life? Jesus said, follow that. And you'll be happy. Another thing I wanted to share this morning is that we need to do in this is to check our diet. Oh boy. We talked about this right before New Year's, right? Every year. If you're having reactions to meal after meal after meal, you're getting sick, you're gaining weight, you're losing weight and it just doesn't seem to be that everything's digesting right or you're always feeling sick, then, then the doctor's going to say you need to think about the things that you're eating. Because at least for me, when I'm not feeling well, one of the first things I lose is my appetite. Things aren't right. And my desire to eat goes away. Follow me with this now into our spiritual lives, the things that we are ingesting. Studies show that the average Christian, average American spends five hours watching TV every day. And unless you've caught off every channel, but I don't know the 700 Club, and I'm not recommending that. I just don't watch TV. I don't know what other options there are. Unless you turn off every other channel on your television... There's some junk food coming in, and the longer you expose yourself to this kind of food, the more damaging it can become, and it will ruin your appetite. What did all your moms tell your kids when they go for the cookie jar ten minutes before dinner? Don't ruin your dinner. I always uh, found a way to sneak the cookies without my mom ever knowing it was there. That I was there but she somehow figured out that it was me who ate all the cookies. Mom seemed to know. And so the correlation here in our spiritual lives is is time spent listening to the things and the voices of a world that is trying to pull us away from God and the voices that are trying to lead us into a closer relationship with God. And we live in an age where there are more resources for us as believers than any time in history. It literally is overwhelming. App after app on your your device or your computer, website after website and online classes and online Bibles and podcasts and sermons online and sermons on the radio. And you literally could spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week ingesting only faith-based things, and you would never hear it all. But the doctor would say, well, let's, let's write down here what you had for breakfast this morning. Well, this morning I had, I, I had the leftover chocolate brownies. And for lunch, you know I, I, I kind of felt strange after those brownies, but boy, they tasted good for lunch i I had a cheeseburger and fries and for dinner, you know, man I just I didn't feel like eating at all after all that and like no wonder <laughs> no wonder in my undergraduate apprenticeship class I guess you could call one of our exercises was to to every half hour of our day we had to catalog from the time we woke up until the time we um, closed our eyes we had to take account for every half hour of that day and we did it for a week that was a lot of work just to write it all down you know because we're you know classes and studying and and family and all of that but we had to do it for a week we got done with that week we looked it over. I was studying to be a pastor, um, really seeking the Lord with all my heart and, and trying to be faithful to Him, and, and it sickened me to look at that list and to realize how little time I made for God. Now, I had time to watch movies that weren't Christian. I had time to listen to non-Christian radio, I had time to um, talk to some non-Christian friends, and we certainly need to be in ministry. But some of my buddies asked me and said, so how, essentially, how do you cultivate your relationship with the Lord when you're so busy doing and going, and justing all these other things besides the things of the Lord? And it's just, it's real basic, folks, it really is. The more of the world we put into our spiritual, to our souls, the The danger is that it can snuff up our appetite for God altogether, and the hungering and the yearning for something that is more, that call that God puts in our life, that, that desire for more than we could ever find anywhere else but in Him, goes away. We lose our appetite. If you have kids or remember a time when you had children, do you really ever need to ask them if they're hungry? 99% of the time they'll say, I'm starving. I'm hungry. When's dinner? When's breakfast? When's lunch? And they are just naturally created with this hungering inside of them. I remember talking with Rebecca on the phone as her mother's last days were near and it was obvious she might not live through the end of the week, and one of the first signs that they saw was her loss of appetite. And if you've ever been around the bedside of someone who's nearing their end, you know that they have no interest in food, and the end is near. And as I pondered that this week, I said, "Lord, help us, help me to be aware of my heart." To be aware of my soul and where it's going and what I'm feeding myself and, and what I'm watching and what I'm listening to and who I'm talking to and what I'm talking about. and It's not a kind of legalism, but it is a reality check. That what I put in affects who i become. third and lastly this morning something we can do is check our fruit who are we becoming by the things that we have prioritized in our life shared a couple times lately that I've really felt a calling um, by the Lord to memorize Scripture in a way that I haven't in a long time. And I'm so grateful for this um, hungering that God has placed inside of my heart for more of His Word. And I can't tell you how many times since I began memorizing these Scriptures that they've been my sword of defense against the temptations of the enemy. Time after time after time after time, the devil has pushed those buttons in my heart and my mind And I've gone back to those words and said, no, just like Jesus did when he was tempted. Thus saith the Lord, the word of God says, I'm not going there. I'm not doing this because this I have put in my heart. The Bible says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Remember Jesus talking to the woman at the well? There's a woman who has been looking for love in all the wrong places, with all the wrong people, for all the wrong reasons. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't cast us out like our culture might? Jesus said, I got an offer for you. I'm going to give you this drink of water, but I'm giving you so much more when I give you myself that my words will cause you to never thirst again. Here's a woman who had been looking for love in all the wrong places with all the wrong people. And Jesus says, it is simply my gift of myself to you that will satisfy those places in your life that you've been trying to satisfy some other way. Those desires, those needs, those hungerings of your body and soul and heart that you've tried to satisfy in the world now you come to me and i'll give you a deeper kind of satisfaction than you've ever felt in any of those relationships with any of those people with any of those jobs with any of those shows whatever it is on our list that we try to go to and have and hold and 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 ingest into our bodies to try to fill that void or or to go to that place where we can't seem to get away from jesus says come to me Remember that first passage we read together from John chapter six, verse 35. Jesus said these words, he said, I am the bread of life and whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Kind of paraphrases what it says in Matthew chapter five, verse six, happy are the ones who hunger and thirst after me because they'll be filled. So before we close this morning, I just want to ask you, do you feel full? And you're thinking, "Be quiet. He's the pastors talking. <laughs> this is serious. Do you feel satisfied in your life? Is there a part of you that lays down in bed at night and don't you know how you talk to yourself? Call yourself by your first name. Maybe you're being hard on yourself and you say, hey, dummy. Don't call someone else dummy, but you can say that to yourself. Or, hey, Pete, you know, what are you after? What do you really want? Where is your life really going? What are you really about? What's your purpose in this life? Because I've tried the job and I've tried the relationship and I've tried the movies and I've tried the friends and I've tried the mall and I've tried it all and it still isn't enough. Where can I go? To whom can I turn? And Jesus says that hunger will bring you happiness like you've never found anywhere else. But we have to come running to Him. We have to knock on the door and He will come to us. So I read a story, and I'm going to close with this about a desire. We all have desires, and the greatest desire that we can have is to know God, amen? To have a relationship with the Lord. So, stories told of a proud young man, and then we're done, who came to Socrates asking for knowledge. He walked up to the muscular philosopher and he said, Great Socrates, I come to you for knowledge. As I've written it, Socrates recognized a pompous numbskull when he saw one. So he led the young man through the streets to the sea and chest deep into the water. And he said to the young man, What do you want? And the young man said, Knowledge, oh why Socrates. With a smile, and he took the man by his shoulders and he shoved him under the water. Gave him thirty seconds under there and brought him back up again, and he says, What do you want? And the young man says, wisdom, boop, back under the water. He went. 30 seconds passed by, 40 seconds. Brought the man up, gagging and choking. What do you want, young man? Between heavy gasping breaths, the young man says, knowledge, oh, wise and wonderful, bloop!" And held him under there longer than he had any other time. And just when the young man didn't know if he was going to make it any longer, he let him back up and he says, What do you want, young man? And he says, I want air. And I want to ask you this morning, when life and emotions and your pursuits and the places you've gone for happiness hold you under, and you're looking and searching for something that will satisfy that one thing that you need more than anything else, when life holds you under and then God brings you back up to the surface, what we need is Him. What we need is the one who promises satisfaction, promises completion, promises us a purpose, promises us a plan, promises us eternal life. I don't know how Socrates knew the right second to pull this young man up to get that answer that he knew he needed to say. God knows with us when that moment to lift us up is and to awaken and renew or focus our attention on that place in our heart that can only be met by him and by his grace. And Jesus says you want happiness. You want life with purpose and meaning and And like you're going somewhere and you're making a difference in the world. It will come only when you give all of your attention and affection to the wooing of the Holy Spirit in your own heart and life. By exclusion, Jesus rules out everything and everyone else. Nothing and no one else will make us happy, ultimately. And only let's stand and we'll close in prayer. Lord, I just thank you for this morning and for this day. I thank you for these people, and uh, thank you, Lord, for your, your spirit's presence. Lord, you whispered to my heart, what I didn't expect, and you gave me what I could have never found any other way. I thank you for that gift. I thank you, Lord, that you, you know how to meet us. You know where are on this difficult journey we may be at today, and, and we are searching for, for the one, the only one, who can touch us in a way that will make this life worth living, that will give us a happiness that we cannot find anywhere else. And I pray Lord that as we as we contemplate Jesus's words this day He is the bread of life and we partake of him and we will be forever satisfied. And Father we worship you today because you are the one that we need. And we will praise you, we will serve you and we will love you and we we thank you Lord for being true to us today. We ask your blessing Lord on the remainder of this day you've given us may we be, bring glory to your name by all that we do and say and all God's people will say. Amen. All right. Amen.